supposed to carry our faith. Maybe it's supposed to carry us. That could be fun. That could be really fun. But how do we change from carrying our faith to it carrying us? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to conclude our study of the Trinity tonight by talking about my wonderful friend, the Holy Spirit. You know, as a young teenager, I began going to a small Pentecostal church with my grandmother. We were Baptists by family, but that little old church set a hook in my jaw that's still lodged there to this day. Those people were different. They cried when they worshipped, and they spoke in a funny language, but oh, how they could love. And you know how they loved this little girl from the right side of the track, because you know back then all the Pentecostal churches were over in the poor side of town. They didn't hold it against me because my parents were well-to-do, and I'm so thankful for that. They thought poverty was holy back then, and even though my family was well-off, they loved me. I'll never forget, there was a girl there, and Debbie, if I said her name, you'd know her, that was three or four years older than me, I'm going to call her Betty. And you know, I never would have spoken to Betty in the light of day because she was, well, let me see, how can I put this in 1960s language? She was fast with the boys and easy mark. But you know what? She puzzled me because something had happened to Betty in that little Pentecostal church. She didn't look the same. And the word around town was she didn't act the same anymore. There was a light that shone from her face and from her eyes. Like for the first time in her life, she had found love. And indeed, she had. You know, I always heard that it didn't go well for Betty at school and at home. But you would never have known it because it never touched that light on her face. Oh, how her faith carried her. Betty embraced him like she was a new creation and she never looked back. I gave my heart to the Lord in 1963 That was 51 years ago. Most of you can't even imagine 51. (laughs) At that very instant, the Holy Spirit came into me. I remember that feeling of just being clean all over. Angela, I just felt like I was his favorite. A week later in that little Pentecostal church, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that was a completely separate gift than what I'd received when I accepted Christ as my Savior. The Holy Spirit entered me in that instant when I accepted Christ. But this was different. (laughs) I felt like a stick of dynamite had gone off in me. 
And you know Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's the same. It gets its from the same root word that we get the word dynamite. So it is like an explosive power. It actually means miraculous power, ability, natural capability, not only power capable of action, but power in action. I love that. It felt like dynamite to me, an explosion of love and power going off on the inside of me. A mere 51 years later, here I am, still madly in love with Jesus. You would think I would have arrived by now, but strangely enough, this relationship I have with Jesus is brand new every morning. And I'm confident that that's going to continue throughout eternity. Every day is going to be brand new. I'm never going to get bored with Jesus. Am I carrying him around? Not hardly. He's carrying me every day. And this is a little odd for me to get up here and tell you sappy love stories instead of doing word studies. But when I speak about my Holy Spirit, I feel sappy in love. Okay. All right, let's get down to business. I'll be bawling in a minute. Can anyone tell me where in the Bible is the first mention of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is? It's Genesis. It's chapter 1, verse 2 of Genesis. (laughs) Backing up to verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And here it comes. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Here he is in Genesis, first book, second verse. Let me tell you, Holy Spirit is no second-class citizen of the Trinity. He is 100% God. He's as much God as God the Father and God the Savior. And this was kind of a curious message to me. I told some of the kids around here today, I kind of started all over. And I never got out of the Old Testament, which is kind of funny because, you know, if you thought the character of the Holy Spirit took stage in Acts, you're wrong. I started in the Old Testament, and there he is in every book. I'm not going to go through every book, but from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit is pointing you to Christ. Everywhere you look, it's like he's the press man for Christ. 
he wrote the Bible. I asked one of the kids in the coffee shop the other day, do you know how many authors the Bible had? And they said, yes, I think the Bible had 44. And I said, it just had one. Those men penned those words, but it was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Many wise scholars have marveled about the continuity of the Bible. How there is no discrepancy, there, are, there is no contradiction. Why would there be? The same person wrote the whole thing, you know, from cover to cover. The prophets of both the Old and New Testament received their, res- their revelation from the Holy Spirit. In 1 Kings 18.46, it says the power of the Lord came on Elijah. Revelation 1.10, John the Revelator says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Sunday, June 29th, 2014, Pastor Virginia said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Very same Holy Spirit that gave the word to Elijah gives the word to our prophet today. From creation to Elijah to John the Revelator to Virginia Brace. Same Holy Spirit. You know, I think, is there anyone here who is not baptized with the Holy Spirit? Am I, am I talking to the choir here? I think I am. Okay, well, good. Just bear with me here. Um, I think we would all admit that we probably have not achieved everything that God has destined for us. I know that not in every situation am I the head and not the tail. In every situation, I'm not above. I am beneath. But God intends for us to conquer to be victorious in every area of our life. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to take us to that place of destiny that God intended for us. You know, you may not have been intended to preach. I don't think I was either. But you may be intended to be a businessman or a government official. We have both in our church. And the Holy Spirit will give you that boost that you need. He will position you to be everything you need to be in the area he's called you. You know, you may have been called to be a secretary. But I love secretaries. You know they're undercover agents that have the ear of their employer. There's many a company that is secretly run by secretaries instead of CEOs. The power of the Holy Spirit working in your life will give you the talent and leverage you into the position that God wants you to have on this earth. There is no doubt about it. If you yield to him, you will achieve everything God has for you. If you believe that God has called you to something, Partner with the Holy Spirit, and he'll make sure that you're positioned correctly when your time comes. The prophet of this house does not stand up here and exercise her gifting to entertain us. 
and give us goosebumps. You know, as a society, we're so used to being entertained. We think that's the end product of everything we're supposed to do. You know, if you didn't entertain me, I'm disappointed. We get some kind of idea that everything we do is supposed to be magically delicious. No, this is war. You ask any mama that has laid a child in the ground or looked at a husband or child through jail bars, and she'll tell you, this is war. It's not all magically delicious. The prophetic word goes out to equip us to become overcomers in every situation. But then through the power of the Holy Spirit, we, our little selves, have to go out and take that territory by force. You know, Pastor Virginia can put a sword in our hand, but we have to go out and chop Goliath's head off. It's not all yummy and delicious. Nathan, David's prophet, wasn't in there entertaining the king. He was positioning him to win wars, conquer nations. And you know, David came home from his campaigns dirty and bruised. He had lost friends. He had shed blood. But he came home victorious. And he fulfilled his destiny to his generation. And that is what God has called each of us to do, is to fulfill our destiny to our generation. Okay, we're going to kind of skip lightly through the Old Testament here with the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, look briefly at Joseph with me. Have we, did we ever get this? Oh, we did. But we're not keeping up with me. Okay. Um, Pharaoh, who ruled over Egypt, recognized the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of this young man, Joseph. Pharaoh knew, and you will also agree, that there was something different about Joseph. In the natural, I don't think he was much different than the young men in here. So what was that source of power that made Pharaoh turn his kingdom over to Joseph? Pharaoh's own words are found in Genesis 41:38. Can you, Mike, is it just not going to work at all? Genesis 41:38 Pharaoh said, "Can we find one such as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is?" He recognized that the Holy Spirit was in Joseph. Pharaoh may not have really known who he was talking about, but he certainly recognized supernatural power when he saw it. The fact that Joseph received power from the Holy Spirit to interpret dreams was what caught the attention of Pharaoh, 
but it was Joseph's supernatural ability as a businessman and a government agent that put him next to the throne. Moving into Exodus, we catch up with the children of Israel in their trek across the wilderness. If you're a Bible student, you'll agree with me that one of the most perfect works of art was the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was built to very specific plans, and the craftsmanship was amazing. It was perfect in every way. Architects today have marveled at the skills and abilities of those men who worked on the tabernacle. This is what God's word states concerning these men in Exodus 31, 3 through 5. I have filled him, Bazalil, the head craftsman, with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. The power of the Holy Spirit on this head artisan gave him all of this power. Do you work or play in an area of the artistic, in music, in jewelry? The Holy Spirit will give you the power and the skill beyond anything that you ever experience. Karen will tell you the story about her learning to play the piano. <laughs> It was a struggle, but she found that when she was in the spirit, she could just hammer that stuff out. You see, the Holy Spirit is not with us just so we can speak in a prayer language or prophesy. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that enables us to rule and reign in a practical manner on this earth. I think sometimes we forget that God created his children to excel, to overcome, to win. And, you know, I'm not minimizing the spiritual giftings available to you through the Holy Spirit. Who doesn't need to prophesy or lay hands on the sick? If there were demons around here, we would certainly cast them out. But don't just relegate the power of the Holy Spirit to the sanctuary. He desires to give you power in the world as well. You don't have to carry your faith and your destiny to your home and to your work and to your play like a burden. Turn your life over to the Holy Spirit and he'll carry you to your destiny. He will use you as a change agent to bring heaven to earth. Here's something interesting. It's found in the book of Numbers. Now, who ever dreamed there would be anything interesting in the book of Numbers? <laughs> um, okay. We know the Holy Spirit was on Moses, and he was one of the greatest leaders that Israel ever had. Moses is still, a, still very highly regarded 
in the Jewish community as one of their greatest leaders. But even though he was a leader, God knew that Moses needed help. He needed advisors that would not be a hindrance to him. And if you've ever tried to work with anyone who is not of the same mindset as you, they, they become more of a hindrance than they do a help. Therefore, it was necessary that the same Holy Spirit that indwelt Moses would also indwell the 70 men who surrounded him. So here's what happened. This is Numbers 11, 16 through 17. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of the meeting that they may stand there with you, and I will come down and speak to you there. How many of you would have gone? That's pretty scary. Moses comes and says, I need you to come with me. I've chosen you to be a leader, and God's going to come down and speak to us personally and give us our instructions. Scary, but who could pass that up? He says, I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. There we have it. There's the secret to Moses' power of leadership. And God was going to take some of that same spirit and move it over on these 70 men so they could lead with one mind and one accord. And that's how Moses did it. That's some way to build a team, huh? You know the Holy Spirit's just my hero. He's just my hero. Do you struggle with self-esteem issues? Do you feel weak and ineffective? Let me introduce you to Gideon. Judges 6, 11 through 16. And I'm going to read this to you out of the Message Bible. One day, the angel of God came down and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, that Abizrite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press out of the sight of the Midianites. You see what's happening there? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. He's hiding. He's scared. Because they were a conquered nation. And if he went to the threshing floor and began to thresh his wheat out, they would come in and take it from him. So he was hiding. His dad had a wine press. So he was in there threshing out wheat. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. I wondered if that was tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, I think really it was God seeing his destiny. Gideon replied, with me, master, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles and wonders our parents and grandparents told us about, telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He's turned us over to Midian. How many times have you said it? Ah, don't tell me that stuff. You know, where's it at? Show it to me now. Show me the money. You know? But God faced him directly. And he said, go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? 
And Gideon said to him, Me, Master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the runt of the litter. God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. And then jump up to Judges 6, 33 through 35. All of the Midianites and Amalekites got together and crossed the river and made camp in the valley of Jezreel. Now, isn't that just like the enemy? You think you're going to try something? You got your self-esteem all pumped up? I'm, we're going to double it up on you. See how you come out. But then it says, and God's spirit came over Gideon. He blew the ram's horn trumpet. And the Abizrites came out ready to follow him. He dispatched messengers all through Manasseh, calling them to battle. Also to Asher, Zebulon, and Natali. And they all came. The runt of the litter became the hero of the day. Because the spirit of the God... The Spirit of God came upon him. That's my Holy Spirit they're talking about. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Mr. Weak and Ineffective became what God saw in the first place through the Holy Spirit. A little further in the book of Judges, we see Samson, who became supernaturally strong because the Spirit of the Lord would come mightily on him. Throughout the Old Testament, people became strong, mighty, talented, and wise. Some developed strong leadership skills they never had before. But you know, God gave those gifts sovereignly. They had nothing to do with it, nor could they receive those gifts by asking. God chose them to be his instruments. An important distinction to observe is that the Holy Spirit's indwelling in the Old Testament was not universal for all believers. Sometimes it just came and went as God used them. But because of what Christ did on the cross, New Testament believers live in a world Old Testament believers would have loved to have seen. A world where all believers had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, they could choose a second baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of fire that would give them power beyond all of their dreams. Which brings us full circle back to Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. To me, that's Woodward, Oklahoma. How about that, Jody? <laughs> so here, Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit for a reason, to be witnesses, to spread the gospel, to build the church. To me, faith without the Holy Spirit is kind of like decaffeinated coffee. It sort of tastes like coffee, but it doesn't wake you up or keep you up. It smells like coffee, and it looks like coffee, but it just doesn't do for you on the inside what caffeinated does. 
decaffeinated Christianity is kind of the same way. Faith without the Holy Spirit means you're a little afraid to get out on the edge because of what somebody might think. They might think you're a fanatic. So we've decaffeinated our faith. We've cut down the edges, smoothed off the places where it's inconvenient for our routine, and we wonder why we have no power. Annie Dillard, in her book, Teaching a Stone to Talk, said, As Christians, we play in the floor like children with a chemistry set, not knowing the power we hold in our hands. The Holy Spirit is, still remains, pretty much unexplored territory. Are you afraid of him? It's time for the church to face up to the fact that our power is not in our organization. It's not in our pocketbooks. It's not in our teaching or our great oratory skills. The power to make it all work is the power of the Holy Spirit. From Pentecost to Revelation, we see God, the Holy Spirit, energizing people with supernatural energy. And yet we're satisfied with decaf. The church is not an organization or a business. It is the body of Christ and was born at Pentecost. We need that Pentecost experience again. You know, I love the Baptist church. I love Baptist people. That's, that's what I came from. But they stopped at Easter. They needed to move on to Pentecost. I want the dunamis. I want to explode like a stick of dynamite. So what can you expect from the Holy Spirit? You can expect power. Power to witness. Power to reach your destiny, power for healing, power for deliverance, power to overcome the enemy. You can expect comfort. Bad stuff happens. Only the Holy Spirit can mend a heart. You can expect converts. You know, I like to think that I've won some people to Christ, but the truth is, all I did was testify And the Holy Spirit drew them to Christ. He gives guidance. When you're lost, it's out of the guidance of the Holy Spirit that you find the truth and eventually find your way home. He's the revealer. The Holy Spirit reveals the word of God and the will of God. He carries you. Instead of you carrying around a huge load of faith, he enables your faith to carry you. Gifts. According to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's nine of them. Here's what the Holy Spirit will give to you. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Faith. Gifts of healing. Working of miracles. Prophecy. Discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I'm not going to settle for decaf. You receive the Holy Spirit when you receive Christ as your Savior. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you ask for it 
or by the laying on of hands. Acts 19.6 says, When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. You know, I feel like we have just barely, barely touched the surface of this. It just goes on and on. But I, I promised myself I wouldn't keep you here all night. I was even going to let you out early tonight because the youth aren't here and we've got a night to get home. So I'm going to stop right there. I just want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, seek that from God. If you need a renewal of that, now, I'm not a person that thinks you have to get saved every five minutes, but you can sure get re-energized. Get refilled. You know, I told Tom, I said, you know, it just puts a zip in your step and a zap in your power. So seek that. Can I just pray and dismiss them, Sean? So, Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that you provided everything for us. That you carry us. We don't carry you. Who are we kidding? You carry us. You carry us through every day of our life. And we're so grateful. We are so grateful. Father, I just ask that each person in here become hungry. Hungry. For what the Holy Spirit can do in their life. And Holy Spirit I ask you to begin to move them. To leverage them into that position that God wants them. Mend their hearts. Put a zap on them. Just zap them good Lord. We want more. We want more of you. We don't, we don't want any decaffeinated. We want the real deal. And we're not afraid. I praise you and I thank you. I ask you to be with every person here tonight. Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit live big in their homes and live big on their jobs and in their play. We are not ashamed of you. We praise you. I love you. Thank you. Amen. Nobody's really rushing to move. And so um, I, was, I was just hearing a chorus as we were, as, as Linda was closing. And so let's just, you, most of you probably will know this. I date myself. But um, I had to look up the words because I don't have, I make up my own words, as my wife will tell you. <laughs> so for those that do know the words and would know. But there's this, uh, an old chorus that we used to sing. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And, and there, there really is. And I think that's why this so resonated. You know, um, there's something that happens when you make much of the Holy Spirit. 
there's something that happens. You know, there's, there's a minister I love to follow that uses an expression. They, they say, make much of the blood. Make much of the blood, you know. And, um, but, but, you know, even though that wasn't the subject tonight, it's the Holy Spirit. But there's, he's just so sweet tonight. You know, and, I, and thank you. Thank you, Pastor Linda, because your love for him just oozes all over. And so it's, it's just fun to, to but, but let's just, you know, and we don't need music or anything. Yeah, we just, just worship him. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know they feel the presence of the Lord. The chorus goes, Sweet Holy Spirit, Sweet Heavenly Dove. Sweet Holy Spirit, Sweet Heavenly Dove, Stay right here with us. Filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. Just, just remember that this sweet presence, you know, I, I love the message in the ministry of Benny Hinn, and there was a book that he wrote that was so simple, Good Morning Holy Spirit, and it was just so simple what he shared in that book. I mean, he gives his whole testimony. It's a long book, but but the, the whole thing could be summed up in just making time and remembering him every day. You know, so this that we're experiencing of the presence of God is something that we don't have to, you know, wait till the next time Pastor Linda ministers or or... You know, we don't even have to come to church. So um, just as, you know, so Father God, I just believe we receive. Lord, you're walking us into new ground. Lord, even as I, as I heard Darren Bagley minister, we haven't been this way before. But the Holy Spirit does know the way. And that's true for each of us as individuals. It's true for us as a body. And Lord, we thank you. I just believe and receive, Father, that, that you will remind us this, this that we're experiencing now as we wake up in the morning or as we go to sleep. But there will be a time that each of us, Lord, just 
presses in and remembers your sweetness, your goodness, your mercy, and your love. Even if it might be a little uncomfortable what you may ask us to do. But we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you again, Pastor Linda.